This conversation was recorded in October last year, so there's a few things that we talk about in the conversation that are elements of history rather than current events. So it was last year when Getting Better Acquainted was up for a Radio Production Award, and it was also last year that the album that my guest released came out, but I do believe there are still some pressings available, so you should definitely check that out. There'll be all kinds of things in this building that make an amazing sound, like when you hit them or when you strike them or when you tap them. My friends tell me that I wander around and I get excited when I hear a new noise and I have to record it. I used to go, well, hang on a minute, I love, I love the Muppets, I love jungle and I love noises. Well, yeah. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Robin the Fog. Hello. Uh, hello. Hello. The first question that I have, actually, I'll get on to the standard questions in a moment, but why the fog? I'm never quite sure if I should give it away because uh, certain people know it and certain people don't. A lot of people think it's because I really like foghorns and I'd like to imagine that that is the reason. The actual fact is um, during a live broadcast one day at Resonance FM I was um, applying a particularly cheap and nasty brand deodorant to myself. I'm not sure why I hadn't done it up to that point but I hadn't. What I didn't realise was that the air conditioning was quite odd at Resonance and uh, the scent of the deodorant was carried out of the sort of office up into the studio and into the into the studio where a live broadcast was taking place and the presenter, one Mr Johnny Trunk, said uh, I'm sorry listeners, we've suddenly become overwhelmed with the stench of cheap deodorant and the next time I came into the cubicle he sniffed me and went, it's you, <laughs> you're Robin the Fog well they say you don't choose your nickname, it chooses you yeah. and it's stuck, everyone just started calling me Robin the Fog I know and that feeling now everyone, uh, you have a nickname? I had a nickname at school that got given to me and that just stuck and then made was, my life a misery. Can I ask what it was? Or um, no, yeah, you can. It's a, it's a painful, it's an it's a, it's a innocuous word that has a lot of pain inside it for me. Yeah, um, somebody one day just decided that I looked like a Melvin, whatever that meant. Uh, and if I'd have not reacted in any negative way to this statement, there would have been no problem. Unfortunately, I was, you know, a slightly troubled young man and... Uh, already feeling quite isolated within the school and then I, I kind of made my, my you know made my bed fell. and then had to lie in it for the rest yeah. of school yeah mine was penguin penguin because of the way I walk oh okay uh, well that's it, that's mean obviously uh, I shouldn't have reacted to it but like you say when you're that age you don't really think about you know not reacting to things because you know because the reaction is what they want you don't really think about it in those terms so you end up sort of you know. it's, it's a funny one I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day actually because she works in a primary school and she was talking about that difficult moment when you know if a child didn't react to it like as we're saying then it wouldn't be a problem but yeah. when children throw tantrums it, it really sets in stone any of the, the problems they were having before Yeah. and I was saying yeah it's problematic because if you say to a child don't don't make a fuss like take it then you're kind of teaching them to to not fight for themselves or fight for you know it's, it's a it's a tricky one like if, well, it's if, a bit like telling people to calm down it never works yeah people say calm down and that doesn't work it just makes people worse but you still say it people still say will you calm down and of course they don't they never do but uh, i mean if we taught children to not react then we probably would teach them to do what they're told in a way that i don't know if that's healthy either 
I mean, oh, did, gosh, you, yeah. did you did you have you found that you've stopped reacting to things as you no. Don't? No, me neither. <laughs> and I always say to myself, if you didn't, if you just didn't show that it bothered you, yeah, it wouldn't happen, and therefore you wouldn't be bothered by it. And but the funny thing is, it's like it's so easy to say it, but to actually do that and to actually not be moved at all by anything is is even though it's the most blatantly obvious thing you should be doing. Yeah, I've never not developed um, a poker face ever. No. That's the thing. And it's like, and the thing is, on paper, with pure cold logic, you go, well, of course, they're, they're just trying to get a rise out of you. So if you don't give them a rise, it won't. But of course, it's just—it's funny how it's so simple, and yet it's so difficult to take on in the in the heat of the moment. Yeah, sure. You know, it is very. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's and it's like, yeah, you can't you can't teach yourself that skill. I don't think. I mean, you just have to, to find ways of, of making how you are work within yes. the world. Like, that's, why I th- that's where I think I've got to, hopefully. Let's, let, touch well, maybe words. you can give me some tips. Well, may- um. maybe I can. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, first question, although it's not the first question at all in this case that I ask people, is how do you know me? Which is a, an odd one for people in your position who don't know me that well at all. Oh, well, uh, I know you because uh, I was giving a talk and playing some of my favourite radiophonic works because I've just made an album called The Ghost of Bush, which is all sort of uh, uh, acoustic, treated recordings of Bush House, which is the old World Service building. And In the Dark, who are running this thing called Invisible Picture Palace in Wapping. Very, yep. good, very good, very good thing. Really good they, thing. They asked me to come along to one of their events and give a talk about my favourite radiophonic works, play a bit of the album and play some of my favourite radiophonic works and talk about how they influenced me. And you came along. I did. Uh, and we ended up having a conversation, uh, along with a few other people. We ended up having of, this. Yeah, yeah it was really was good. It was really quite, nice. Quite a lot yeah. of people there. It was really nice like that. And that's what I liked. It's, it's always nice to actually get into a proper debate about these things. It was a really good night, actually. I was, I was really uh, fascinated by the things that you had to say. I well, guess things I had to play, maybe. I'm not sure if I, I sort of added much to I it. I would but, say um, both. I would really? say both. Whilst you are not 100% confident about what you say, so after you say an interesting thing, you kind of put it down a little bit, well, the interesting um, thing is still interesting. Well, and, the, I, and I didn't know those, the, the things you were talking about, so it was very, yeah, really fascinating. Now, the one thing I will stand by is the quality of the stuff I was playing. Oh, well, uh, you know, I mean, was, it's priceless was, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, I mean, it was some amazing sounds you were playing. Well, I yeah. mean, what, what is radiophonic sound? Well, I mean, it's 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 one of these sort of made up. Well, it's not a made up word. Well, I suppose it is really. Um, it all, doesn't. All it, words are made up. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it doesn't. To my mind, and again, this is my opinion. Um, to my mind, it doesn't really. There's no one thing that's a specific radiophonic sound. It's more a sort of uh, an ideal and a set of ideas about how it will be used, how it's approached, and the sort of methods that go into into making it right it's not terribly specific at all it's not electronic sound necessarily it's not it's not acoustic sound it's to my mind it's radiophonics is sort of sound design that tells a narrative but does it in a way that uh, would be broadcast okay. I mean it's it's, it's it's one of these things where it's easier to, to, to play you examples of what radiophonics is which you did a which lot I did during that night yeah. than to actually define for me it's using sort of techniques like music concrete found sounds electronic sounds soundscape recordings that kind of thing and arranging them in a way to create a narrative sure. or to or to make a piece of broadcast audio because to me radiophonics is audio i don't think it really i mean obviously there's you know there's films that have been made that use radiophonic techniques but to me it's it's radio it's sound it's and video is important but sound is the main thing i think like radiophonics isn't about 
pictures, as far as I'm concerned. It's about creating pictures with sound, and it's an incredibly cliche thing to say, but it's, it's, far, it's the theatre of the mind. It's the... What was it someone was saying the other day? Uh, the brain sees what it hears, but doesn't hear what it sees. Right. So it's the brain seeing what it hears, basically. So that's, a nice, that's a nice that, expression. That like is that. nice. Yeah. I mean, is, is, is sound effects part of it? I mean, would you say... Yes. That, Yes, so I, I mean, so. that's the fascinating thing about the sort of sounds you were playing. That some of them were were one thing, but it sounded like another, yeah. and some of them were manipulated, and it was really interesting how they were manipulated. And some things were electronic or had electronic elements too. The other thing, and the thing that always fascinates me, is that um, a lot of them are were functional. They were they were designed to fit for a, a purpose. They weren't. And this is the thing about the Radio Funnet Workshop. They weren't on a jolly. It was an organisation that was given a remit, and it was like, right, we need this, we need a jingle for this new radio station in, in two weeks, or we need a theme tune for this school's programme in, in a fortnight or in a month. But, you know, it's got to be done quick, 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 quick. And the fact that they had very, very, very little equipment to work with meant that they ended up just, you know, creaking as much out of it as they could. And that's, you know, that's, to me, radiophonics doesn't necessarily have to be incredibly technological. And in fact, you know, I think. I mean, they've just reformed the Radiophonic Workshop, and I just don't see the point, because the things they do now, you can do on your mobile phone, really, if you want to. So much of it was about the compositional element and the actually creating something serviceable and serviceable and functional using techniques they had. There's a historical dimension, I guess, to, to the Radiophonics thing, in that the, the, what, the stuff that you were playing was from a certain kind of era yeah. when... As you say, technology hadn't advanced to the point that it has now, where it's kind of easy for people to make things, and it's like, yeah, you know, there were a lot of like you were talking about people who invented certain kinds of synthesizers, and like, you know, people had to invent machines to do the jobs they wanted to do, rather yeah. than just take their machines and go, oh, what's the what's the app that does that for me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or they would have to look at what they had and work out how they could do what they needed to do on very very primitive equipment. Yeah, I mean, there was some fascinating stuff. Like one of the things that really stuck out to me was you, when you slowed down a, uh, well, not you, but with the piece of sound was a slowed down Canaries song, yeah, and at a certain point it sounded like human speech. Yeah, and that was really fascinating. And, that, and the thing, and what's really amazing is that's from 1953, which would have sounded like another world back then. Yeah, They're just people weren't doing those sorts of things. That, in fact, I mean that. Some the best of my knowledge, basic tape manipulation was still very. I mean, you know, John Cage had done a few things, but that's avant-garde. Yeah, that's extremely avant-garde. Whereas these people were kind of within the BBC, I guess, at the time. Well, well that, a lot of them. That were. particular records uh, was it, Jim Fassett? I think so. That's an American record. Um, but again, he was—I wouldn't say he was light end exactly, but it was uh, the record was sort of an—it was sort of a novelty record. Whereas Stockhausen, uh, Stock, uh, John Cage, and, and Stockhausen, I guess, were actually sort of you know, sort of trying to create these kind of incredibly bold, futuristic manifestos. This is just a kind of, look look how strange it is when we do this. What that novelty record was doing was just exploring what sound could, could be like in a kind of casual way, in a way. Mm. Yeah, think? but no less, um, no less excited about it, I don't think, and no less okay. serious about it. Sure. I mean, they were, you know, they were presenting it in a sort of very, isn't that strange when that happens? Yeah, yeah. But I think the little I know about the guy and the sort of background he came from I don't think he could have got away with doing it any other way I think if he'd gone listen as I unveil to you the you know this the mysteries yeah, yeah and I, I think Americans bless them in, in the in the 50s I think 
a lot of people would have dismissed him as a quack if he'd sort of done the, you know, and again, maybe that's very unfair. I think the British take themselves a bit more seriously, possibly a little too seriously, and I think that's maybe why you could get away with being a bit more experimental and a bit more avant-garde. But again, you know, I mean, actually, when I think about it, I mean, the Radiophonic Workshop, uh, that's Saturday Tea Time, that's Doctor Who, that's kids' TV programmes, that's sound effects for... For children's programs, yeah, um, that was it. A lot of the pieces you were playing were designed to be kind of comic back uh, backdrops to like standard beds, I guess, for comic, yeah, uh, sketches. The Witch's Cauldron sort of soundtrack, the musical bubbling, Um, an incredibly when you listen to a really strange piece of audio. But I can remember that soundtracking the sort of adventures of Drop Bags when she was. You know, in a That's right, kitchen was, or know, uh, a grot bag's cauldron, I called it. Yeah, um, emu, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but if you sort of, there's a certain period of kids' TV where if they're in a sort of fantasy kitchen or there's some sort of unpleasant bubbling mixture they've got going on, they'll, you'll hear that in the background. Is is that um, where you got interested in sound? Then, I mean, do you think? I would love to be able to say yes, <laughs> and I think I think I suppose the fact that I remember it means that I must have been interested. I must have pricked up my ears and gone, oh. I got into music first and the weird thing is it's only I got into music first and and then sound later and the weird thing is that by appreciating sound more I've gone back into doing music again and the two now sort of coexist. and I well, I mean music is sound yeah so um, but is sound music I guess that's the question yes absolutely completely um, I appreciate it's not always you know, and that's—I mean—a lot of people dismiss John Cage as a lot of pretentious. Can I say bollocks? What? Can I say bollocks? You can say anything. I mean, you like. this, is, it's a a po- lot, this is a podcast. We can swear as much. But, as we but, like. but one of the things he was doing in um, <clears throat> something like Four Thirty Three is he was trying to point out that you know there is so much. To me, there were a few things. One is just how ubiquitous music was in the world, and you know that was his point. And the other thing was just to prove that. I mean, what, one of the things I learned at university was that you could argue music is anything which requires concentrated listening. Okay. You know? yeah. And that you then start to sense elements of music or rhythm or sort of, you know... Um, and then I sort of, from that, got interested in ideas of music, but sound and location, sound and memory. And then you end up sort of getting interested in the sound of things, like the sound of buildings. Because to me... to me, well this, well, this building that we're in today has a lot more sound than, than, I, than I was expecting. It's, I guess because yeah. it's at 7 o'clock at night, so we've got some dancers in the background. So we've got somewhere... What are they doing? I think so. Sort of down, down in the other level, there's some people sort of dancing about, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, 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 they're body pop, they're breaking. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. B-boying. And so we're in the Royal Festival Hall, and so that's kind of the, the, the building. I mean, I've got headphones on, so I'm kind of hearing the sounds of the building that yeah. we're in. And uh, microphones pick everything up. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I mean, I've had to, that. I've had to kind of accept that that's kind of part of the aesthetic of my show because I haven't got very much. A, you let of the a world choice. in. Absolutely. Yeah. There'll be all kinds of things in this building that make an amazing sound, like when you hit them or when you strike them or when you tap them. My friends tell me that I wander around and I get excited when I hear a new noise and I have to record it. And, uh, on the way back from uh, the Invisible Picture Palace in the Dark event, I discovered that that metal swing bridge that you walk back over has a very nice sort of ringing sound when you strike it. What was the other one I found around here? There's a big sort of sculpture somewhere where if you hit it, it's like a sort of gong-like sort of tone. I can't remember where it was. And the Millennium Bridge as well. If you, uh, if you scrape your heels over it, I always used to like that sound. Um, so do you... I mean, do you walk around the world 
with with no head like because I, I don't hear very much of the sound of the world because I'm always listening yeah. to sounds through headphones. I mean, yeah. do you do you have that kind of situation? Or oh, do you depends, go around listening? Because I obsessively listen to music as well, so I, I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. Uh, okay. There are days when I. Um, like today, I've been listening to music in my headphones like all day, even you know lunchtime and coming to work and all that. Um, but then there'll be other days where um, I don't know. I, I just think there are days when you're more switched on, and there are days when you just want to be led. As I it think were. you're right. I find you know? I find that myself. Yeah. But um, and again, you know, listening involves concentrations, and there are days when you don't want to concentrate. You want, you know, you want a story told to you, or a, you know, just a sort of nice, easily digestible piece of music um, I've been listening to this album by a chap called Lone all day which is unbelievable it's sort of like uh, it's like the sort of old school rave and hardcore I used to like when I was a kid in the 90s um, but it's sort of I don't know it's, it's sort of that but it's cleaned up and it's, it's not got that sort of sort of uh, grubby sort of crusty sort of edge to it which I do quite like I like that about old rave records but this is it's sort of like it's kind of like chemically pure ecstasy or something <laughs> if, if rave music was ecstasy then this is kind of chemically pure ecstasy it's really fresh and sort of zingy and kind of you know so I've been listening to that and running wow, about I imagine yeah. that that would be an interesting sound it's a brilliant record absolutely brilliant I mean it's you know it's a rave record but it's just really fun and kind of bouncy and you know um, makes a change from the usual kind of sort of bumps and crackles that I seem to be always making myself so, I don't know <laughs> so when did music find you or when did you find music uh, it was alternate <laughs> remember alternate um, I don't know what, what, what year are we talking about uh, Christmas 1991 okay I was, I was 11 wow I think so that means we're pretty much the same age I was yeah. born in 81 I was so born in 80 I, was, I would have been so, 10 yeah, yeah. Um, I, did, I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of any music outside of Simon and Garfunkel and the beautiful South that got played in the car driving around—that's okay. about all I knew at that age. I was—I I mean, I, 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 I make music no idea now. Who they were. Um, what Simon and Garfunkel? At that point, no, I would never have known who they were. Yeah, Which it's funny what, what, what you but, know. Uh, yeah, but I didn't know about uh, what, was he, what were we saying. Alternate. Alternate. I think Alternate. Their, their legacy isn't perhaps quite as uh, excessive as uh, extensive. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, as Simon and Garfunkel, they made one album. And I'll be honest, it's dated badly. It's not a particularly great record, but I still love it because uh, the guy, the guy is now on the revival circuit, and I actually kind of think this whole rave revival is a very silly idea because most of these people who were sort of youngsters in their twenties back then are now in their forties, and they're sort of still going out and yeah. still, you know. So. Ninety? You say ninety-one? Yeah, that, and so we're talking like just after the second summer of love, yeah, like so. Red, Which again, Raven, I had no idea about. No, of course you didn't. You yeah. were eleven, and yeah. I only know about it because I've read books about it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, um, so so you were kind of as a child experiencing this music that was designed for kind of late teenagers to take drugs to. Yeah, and, and that's always been the same. It's always <laughs> been. I always seem to have had this kind of like, I don't know. I, I had a bit of an epiphany in my sort of late teens, early twenties. When I went, right, okay, so most of the music I like and enjoy is designed to be consumed in clubs, usually with some sort of, you know... Substance. Substance. And I don't really... Well, I don't take anything. I never have. Uh, and it's not because I'm... Well, not really because I'm tremendously buttoned up or anything. I just never felt the need. Music was always enough. But also, I just... 
I realised that I love that kind of music, but I just didn't particularly like going clubbing. Because oh, clubs are quite a complicated well, social engagement well, situation. They're yeah. so rammed, and everyone's always off their faces. And and eventually, I just sort of go, there's too many people in there, I want to get away. Alternate, 1991, Top of the Pops, in my living room. Uh, two guys with chemical warfare suits and yellow sort of dust masks over their faces. <laughs> this big robot with, la- I think it had lasers coming out of it. Well, it's like, it um, is like Doctor Who for, 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 well, for an 11-year-old. It That's had these crazy. kind of whooshy sort of rave noises. And it had this kind of, uh, kind of breakbeat. And it had this robot. And it also had that thing that Top of the Pops always had in the sort of 90s, which was just basically nine TV monitors. You know, just sort of stacked <laughs> yeah, on top yeah, yeah. of each other, showing the video at the same time as them performing. Yeah, yeah, you always yeah, kind of yeah. think, yeah, split the difference. Oh, should we show the video or should we get them live? I don't know, let's have that picture <laughs> of that too. And the woman, and there was a woman on the front of the stage singing a lyric which was about three lines, which was just a sample, and just, you know, and making great work out of singing like four lines of. And, <laughs> and it's. And the weird thing is, it's totally unsophisticated it's dated really badly but there's still a little bit of me that gets excited by it um, and it was it was called Activate but it was done where it was active and then the, letter, the number 8 yeah yeah you know uh, classic like, yeah god the 90s were weird um, yeah and then and then after that it was The Prodigy who I find it incredible <clears throat> the that they're I, still going The Prodigy I, I was into yeah, yeah. oh I, I thought they were the greatest band in the world I mean I got into um, them probably a little after they were big, but they, mm. they they hung around. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, like I became aware of them with like the the big, like smack my bitch up Ferrari and all of that in in, in culture, and then I, then I found the good stuff, which had come a little bit before. Yeah. Well, I do like Firestarter in its own way. Well, do you know, I really don't like smack my bitch up. I don't, I don't, I don't. I know they were trying to be provocative, but I, oh, it was so, I, I thought really the whole thing that. was so. I mean, that the first two albums were to me were the greatest albums ever made when they were made. Yeah. Um, and, they, and to be honest, I think they've, they've dated pretty well, given what they are. If you can name one other band of that era who were making that kind of music, who are still talked about, apart yeah. from by people who were there, just, you know... They were a bit more, like, mainstream as well. Like, you've got, like... You've probably got, you've got... You could probably name, like, things like Massive Attack or Portishead, yeah, but they were a little Attack bit more were credible. A lot dirtier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. sorry, no, no, sorry. Prodigy were a lot dirtier. Sure, than exactly. Attack, that's what I mean. You know. Like popping a kind of like yeah, and getting the hand. Yeah, exactly. You're right. They were a lot much more visceral. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. I mean, Massive Attack was basically sort of slowed down and, as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was hip hop. It was from a hip hop reggae culture, whereas the Prodigy were basically from this sort of going around the M25, stuffing pills down your throat, and dancing in a barn. And I mean, Out of Space is the biggest, dumbest, most stupidest piece of music ever. But I, do I love, love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it puts a big smile on my face yeah, every time yeah. I hear it in Me a way too. that and I still I still I still totally stand by those those first two albums the third album I think is a good record but it's the first if the first two albums sounded like a guy in his bedroom putting the stuff together I mean that guy, that guy was a genius the third album suffers slightly from that kind of we've made this in a more expensive studio this time and you know although it's gritty and dirty you can kind of hear the air conditioning and you can hear the fact that it was quite an expensive record yeah I had this theory that um, when I was uh, you know because I hated Take That of course and as a a 15 year old it didn't occur to me that uh, of course I did it would be ridiculous if I liked them they totally weren't marketed at me they were totally not meant for me and if you know and and if I didn't find them objectionable well that would be weird you know that you know I was 
But the weird thing is now, you know, and I was I was really excited when the Prodigy, you know, when Firestarter knocked their last ever record off the top number the number one spot. But I now realise that they were actually quite similar because there was one sort of godlike genius at the centre of it all who wrote all the songs and was, you know, the, the clever guy. Yeah. And then there were a bunch of guys who sort of danced around a bit. But at some point, the godlike genius decided to start handing out microphones to the, the dancing others. around a bit guys. Yeah. And after that, you know, Keith Flint actually put out a record. And Maxim did, did as know, well. I didn't know that. Maxim, the MC of the Prodigy, who, to be honest, apart from going, doesn't really seem to be doing an awful lot on stage. He made his own record. Um, in fairness, he produced it himself. You know, he wasn't just, you know, which is admirable, but... Oh, so bad. <laughs> and Leroy, the dancer, yeah. made a solo album. Wow. I mean, you couldn't credit it, could you? I, mean, and it I was, guess they all, they all had something to cash in on. But it was, I mean, it was really... It was impossibly bad. <laughs> I think I still have a copy of it to remind myself that no matter how bad things get, I've never released that. I can't remember what it was. But it was just. I mean, I remember listening to it and going, "No, I'm imagining this. This can't possibly be as bad as it sounds." But it it really did. I'm starting to slag things off. This is. <laughs> I do love Smack My Bitch Up. Okay. I, I don't. At the time, I didn't quite see what all the furore was about. I understand a little bit better now. Yeah, I sure. don't for one minute actually think... You don't advocate, do you? Not for one minute do I advocate. Not. But to be honest, I don't think they, they do they, either. They, they definitely don't. I, they, I, they definitely were being provocative, yeah, I think. The whole I mean, thing... Like, I mean, if you, have you seen the video? Yeah. The video was so... I mean, it was just shit, to be honest. <clears> because I love this band, and I, I would, you know, and I bought everything they, they well, put I, out. I think they were just trying to be very but sex that's pistols. It. Yeah. Like, but you, couldn't, you couldn't do it anymore, so they were like, well, where's the where's the thing we can say that will shock people? But it's the same and as it, when... You know, when it was, uh, it's just a bit tired. That heavy metal band, whatever, I can't remember their name, Cradle of Filth, when they started wearing their T-shirts that said, I'm not going to repeat it, but, that, you know so-and-so is a so-and-so yeah. it's like god that is lazy that yeah. is so I could scream I could scream I could drop the C-bomb here at the top of my voice right in this place now and everyone would go oh that's terrible but it, you know but it's so lazy I reckon they wouldn't even care now I mean yeah, people people would be kind of like oh well there's you know if, if you, you just shout yeah. it they just yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's that. see I, I saw the Smack My Bitch video and you know what 16 17 and I was like cool look look it's a girl and she's naked and she's having fights with people and she's vomiting that was the first time I saw it and after that I was like I'm being manipulated here it (laughs) it felt for the first time ever it felt like the prodigy were trying too hard yeah I think I think that that that, that record is a real example of that the first two albums felt effortless the third album felt like they were trying and to be honest everything I've heard of theirs since it's felt like they're trying too hard and I've just it just doesn't. Say, their new stuff doesn't say anything to me anymore. It's lost. It's very proficient, but it doesn't say anything. It doesn't. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's going through the motions. There's a lot of bands that are like that, though. I DJ mean, Shadow. Let's not even get into DJ yeah. Shadow because I'll be here all night. Well, there you go. That's another band that I like. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think I think we probably have very very different tastes in music, but I just have like a little bit little little foot in every camp in a way. So I can there are there are things. Well, I, I, can... I listen to all kinds of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, in fact, <laughs> today, exciting day today. I have a terrible habit for spending money I don't have on records I don't need so check this out right today ah now this is a Rolfo's t- Rolfo's Tabanka Rhythms by Rolfo Richardson Studio 2 Stereo EMI Columbia Steel Pan Drums from 69 these are um, vinyls by the way I'm an obsessive, you can't obsessive see. vinyl collector well, oh afraid. yeah this yeah. is something I definitely want to talk to you about uh, forgive the pronunciation Julio Caramillo Ovenda 
favor de no molesta. Now, do you know that the... <clears throat> I seem to be losing my voice, which is very annoying for a podcaster. Uh, do you know that these are good, or are you buying them on the strength of the front covers? Well, in my experience, <clears throat> uh, naked women playing the bongos is usually a good, uh, is usually a good start. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see that, but, uh, but, but I mean, so is, do you, you, you buy vinyls, like, without knowing what, what you're getting? I take an educated guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do. I'm not always right, but uh, yeah. I mean, for example, I think that's quite a a good. I think there's an interesting. I guess it's kind of old school way of being. I think the like generally people buy things now having heard them. Like the way that we consume music's really changed. Yeah. Um, Whereas I remember going and buying CDs when I was a kid, like based on the front cover and an educated guess. Like uh, digging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's the actual. And what I love about music is finding new. And it's the same with my approach to finding new sounds. It's always that hunt to find the next thing, that kind of thing that I haven't discovered yet. You know, I mean, yes, it, it is quite possible these could be absolute rubbish. I've listened, sure. I've listened you know, I've had that happen plenty of times. But, I mean, look at that. David Carroll and his orchestra's Percussion Orientale. Yeah. Put an E on the end of it. And Musical it sounds, sounds of the Middle East. Yeah, so exactly. Now, what I love about these records is it's usually songs that you're already familiar with. Um, as it happens, I've never heard of any of these. But, I mean, Dance of the Slave Maidens... <laughs> I mean, what? It's it's. There's a sort of. These are kind of vintage. These are kind of old, aren't they? Yeah, they're in good nick, though. Um, but what fascinates me about these is it's the level of artifice. There's this, I love this kind of weird sort of space age bachelor pad exotica sort of stuff that was coming out in the sixties. It's it's sort of you know the magic music of faraway places. But then when you sort of turn it over and read the track listing, it's usually songs you're aware of or songs that are sort of Western popular songs. But all they've done is like added a few bongos or. <laughs> or uh, a few sort of woodblock noises, and suddenly it's exotic. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, and you just know that it's just a bunch of guys in LA just sort of mucking around. But, but there's just. Um, we, were you buying vinyl in the nineties then? Yes. And was like, was the was the rec, was the what was your first record that you bought? Well, my parents bought me Alternate Activate on cassette single for Christmas. The first record I ever bought was Everybody in the Place by The Prodigy. Okay. That is actually one of the Prodigy. I think that's one of the few early Prodigy records that. And was that on vinyl? Yeah. 12 inch yeah wow um, I don't know what cause, yeah I started out because I just wanted I loved the Prodigy so much that I wanted everything because there were B-sides on the 12 inch that you couldn't get on the CD or, and I didn't have a CD player uh, and so obviously you think that there's a difference in sound on vinyl compared to CD yes I'm not one of these people who can listen to something and go yeah that's clearly a vinyl or that's clearly you know yeah 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 you couldn't, you couldn't pass the kind of Coke, Coke versus Pepsi test of exactly, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly I'm, I'm, but again you know there are people who do my job who just listen to the microphones and that's not the way to do a job I think in my opinion well, I don't know but my approach to things is point a microphone at it and if it sounds good go with it yeah and some people would say that's a bit sloppy but what I want is to capture that that, well, that actually that brings us on to a, a good question that I have yet to ask actually which is one of my standard questions which is what do you do now uh, right well um <laughs> okay, well, job-wise, I work as a studio manager for World Service. At the moment, I am on, I'm on an attachment within the company, and I'm working for Radio Drama. Okay. And doing what's called spot effects, which is sort of doing the kind of physical sound in a scene while the actors are speaking the parts. So, for example, if, if you were an actor and you said, oh, have a cup of tea, 
you can't do that because you're reading it. You've got your script sure. arm and you're so doing you're pouring. It. So I'm doing the kind of I'm, I've got a teapot and I'm sort of pouring and. But obviously, what I'm doing is making sure that it sounds like that person pouring the tea rather than someone standing on the other side of the room or behind them or. Um, yeah. So how do you so, do that? I mean, uh, you stand either right behind them or in front. It, it sort of varies depending on the scene, depending on the space you're in, and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, you just use water and cups, and you do a little bit of cup clinking very subtly, just and to suggest that there's a cup there. And is it live, or is it? I mean, it's not. No, it's not live. So, no, it's all, so you so you can do another take. If yeah, it if you get work. it wrong, you can. Yeah. So you know, if it's a cold drink, you have to sort of very gently suggest there's ice cubes in it by sort of doing a little tinkle. And again, it's stuff that your brain doesn't pick up, but but it's tricked into believing it. Sure. You know, you yeah. don't go, hmm, there's a cup and a saucer that she's pouring that teapot into. You know. But it um, goes in kind of without you yeah. knowing it. And, and it has what, kind of a flavour yeah. and sets the tone of the... Exactly. Of the if you don't notice it, then it means it's done the right... It's done Ab- a good yeah, no, job. absolutely. Yeah. And it is... Yeah, I don't always get it right, um, but it is a... I absolutely love it. Absolutely adore it. It's exhausting, but it's... You know, but it's brilliant. Absolutely adore it. And um, yeah, I'm promoting Ghost of Bush at the moment, which is um, which is your record. Yeah, which is my record. Literally which... vinyl records. You're yep. releasing it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I I wish that I had been able to get it before uh, before having a conversation with you. But at the same time, I don't know if I can get it. It comes as a free download as well. Yeah, you get a download. Yeah. So yeah. I will with, have, with each copy of the record, you get a download. I, I mean, I, I am going to buy it because I really want to hear it. Because I mean, I read the article in what in Wire. I know, I yeah. couldn't believe. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. Well, and, and I mean, it's it's. I mean, it sounds really, really interesting, and we'll we'll get onto it in a minute. But but I mean, I haven't got anything to play vinyl on, so I'm, I will buy it now. Now that I know that there's definitely a few a download. people have said that they said, "What am I going to play this on?" And. Uh, I mean, you, you can actually have it as a download. You can just have the download. It's, okay, it's well, a pay what you then, like thing be... from the website. Oh, cool. Uh, you can actually pay nothing if you want. It is, well, I won't is be doing that. Cause, uh... I should actually send you one. In fact, I thought I actually had, which is very bad manners of me not to have sent that yet. But no, I, no, that, that's fine. I mean, uh, I'm really fascinated to hear it. I mean, it, it basically is what we were talking about earlier on, the sound of a, the, the, the room we're in now, the Royal Festival Hall has sounds. It's a, It's a similar principle that sort of... The genesis of this idea of this yeah. of this album. What is the ghost of Bush? Okay, well, um, obviously, I worked in Bush House as a studio manager. Um, and Bush House is Bush, Bush House was the know. home of the World Service until July this year, and then we moved into our new building. And I would work a lot of night shifts in the building when it's half when it's nearly empty, or you know, mostly empty. And I would often have a couple of hours between programs, and so that we have a big basement studio, or we did have. Uh, I'm still talking in the present tense, which is sad. We had a big basement studio where bands used to be recorded in and dramas and things like that. And of course, at night it's empty, but you've got a key if you're a studio manager. So I used to go in there and muck about with the tape machines and sort of make odd bits of music, some successfully, some not. You know, and I was doing a lot of night shifts. And as I walked around the building on my own, I would listen to the sort of echoes of the stairwells and the sort of squeak of the door handles. And you had this incredible reverb which just lasted forever. Um, and I just, you know, and I sort of collect these sounds anyway so I thought it might be quite interesting to make a, a composition based on on Bush House but and because so much of what I did is on computers I thought it'd be nice to actually use something that isn't just staring at a computer screen and actually involves a, a sort of analogue format because I'm I, I consider what I do music but I'm not a musician I don't play an instrument I sort of take sounds and make music out of them and which you, isn't the is same that, thing as, is that what you've always done then when, yeah. when, when, so when you were a kid you, the, the first thing you did was make music from sound I never really this is the thing I never really made music until I went to college to study it 
to study music technology, which is really ah, so you did music tech. Yeah, okay. I know, I know a few people who've done music. Yeah, tech. total waste of time. Actually, <laughs> total waste of time. It's completely. I still know sod all about technology, really, and I don't even care to be honest. It's. I know. I know enough to do what I want to do. Well, you know enough to be employed to use technology. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally faking it. There's no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I must know a certain amount because I, this is my job. Yeah. But I don't care about it. I care, what I care about is the idea. Yeah, but I mean, there uh, is a when you say music technology, there's two two words there. Like the technology is the tool. Yeah. Music is the the aid. Well, isn't I, it? I mean, I went to college and. I got, you know, the lectures weren't, the, the tutors weren't really that bothered about us. Uh, and again, and I think it sort of, and I wasn't really, it's not that I wasn't bothered, I just didn't know how to be bothered, if you know what I mean. It hadn't, the touch paper hadn't been lit. I liked music, I liked buying records, I liked DJing occasionally in parties and stuff. But why did you um, go and do music tech if you hadn't got a touch paper lit? I don't know, I just, I, I wanted to be a DJ, I wanted to make dance music I wanted to play at raves this is all what I thought when I was 18 I was very naive as an 18 year old but I come from a small town so to be honest where did you come from? Carlisle ok uh, I've, been, I've been there well, I got stuck there once yeah, on, a lot on a train and I had to get Carlisle. a taxi yeah. yeah a lot of people get stuck there um, <laughs> I'm very you know it's my home it's my hometown I'm yeah. fond of it but I see no reason to stay there but the thing is when I went there I got you know I got taught how Cubase works and I got taught you know and, I, and I'm not I'm not one of these people that can sort of um, pick stuff up like that quickly. And I'm just, terrible at picking yeah, that stuff up. Yeah, and you just up. go, well, why isn't that working? And, you know, and I spent like an hour swearing at it and going, oh, sorry, I can't work it out. Put me off MIDI for life. I still haven't, um, I, I haven't, I still have not learned how to make, how to use Cubase properly. I can make beats yeah. that then I mix down and put into other programs that I can operate. Yeah. But I cannot use yeah, that program. It's, it's, I just I've, find it totally... So many people have tried to teach me. I mean, because yeah. I've been making music for like, I don't know, probably since I was 15. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm more analog... I'm, I play instruments, yeah. but not very well. And I do, and I do, and I do mixing, but not very... Like, I've, I've had to learn... Yeah, you know, I've learned everything. It's so your... Um, I read this interview once with this violinist or something. I forget even what it was. And she said, I don't think I'm doing this properly and her tutor basically said keep making your mistakes yeah They're your mistakes well keep I've learned that them. like um, for, for years playing guitar I was aware of the fact that I wasn't very good at playing guitar but then I was in a band and a friend of mine sort of said you know you've got a style yeah you know yeah that's come from not not having known about it and now I, and I, I guess I've tried to perfect that style I think I'm a much better guitar yeah. player now and once I realised that I had a style than when I was trying to be exactly. better than I exactly. was you know? I, I had a I had a friend at uni she was like a grade 8 classical pianist if you said to her play me this particular piece of classical music on the piano she'd do it without the sheet music flawlessly but if you said to her improvise or write something to go with this or make something up she just couldn't yeah and she was so yeah. and I think I'm not for one minute poo-pooing a classic no, musical well, education absolutely or anything like skills, that. Yeah. But, but I think sometimes it can... And I, I appreciate I probably should have made more of an effort to get a formal musical education, probably. But I like to think my skill is, is hearing ideas, hearing the potential of things. And I think, you know, I, I, if I sort of walk down a South Bank and I hear something that makes a nice creak, I think maybe if I'd had a more conventional musical upbringing I, maybe I wouldn't hear that creak or I'd go well that's not music Yeah. you know I've heard so many people say this isn't music and it's like music you idiot <laughs> sorry that's happened a lot but um, 
But the, tr- the thing is, that, uh, when I did music technology at college, I got taught how, but what's the point of knowing how if you don't know why? Okay. And then I, I got offered to do a two-year course at uni and bump it up to a degree, and it was like, suddenly I was being taught why. And it was like, and that was when the kind of spark got ignited, because I started hearing music that I would never have heard as a guy just into dance music, you know. That's uh, so interesting as well, because... I think that's a common mistake in education mm. that people are not taught why and so they have no they don't care about the how. Yeah. Like that is such a common mistake I think. When I when I first went to learn guitar, I said I said I want to I want to write songs. Yeah. <laughs> so teach me chords and the guitar teacher said no 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 no. You have to learn all the notes first. You have you have to learn it this way. This is the way you do it. And because I couldn't I couldn't get into the music that way. I didn't. I didn't go back. I, I, I left it. and yeah. I learned chords from other people, and then you know. And I think if he'd have said, "Right, let's learn some chords," and then yeah. once you've got the why, once you, you can now you'd let's learn the how. Let's, let's yeah, break exactly. that down. Exactly. I, mean, I, I would have. You know, I would have really benefited from that because I want to know the how, but I had but to you know why. Yeah, you, know, you have to know. You have to be able to write a song to want to write a song. You yeah. know, it's, it's yes, a weird. It's yes, a weird very, thing. Yeah, it's a yeah, weird yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was the thing, like, uh, uh, I remember sort of during the admissions process, someone in one youth that's, well, you don't play anything, why would you want to study music? You just kind of think, well, that's totally not the right attitude. I mean, you did study music for the, for the technology for, the, for that amount of time. Yeah, I got nothing out of it at all. But when you went to university, you started... But it opened that door, yeah, yeah. sorry, I should say, it, it opened that door. But the weird thing is, I mean, it's... I learned so much in those two years, but the funny thing is, when I look back at it now, it seems impossibly naive. Well, I did, and it seems it's Isn't only that, that's always going to be the case yeah. when, when you look back at the the work you've done in the past. It's always going to seem naive compared to what you're doing. And it does seem that the only way I could really build on it was to do what I've done, which is sort of do a decade of obsessively doing this stuff and making more and more mistakes and basically doing more and more bad stuff. But yeah, breaking a few eggs and then well, making, making a, mistakes is is how you. Yeah, is how you learn. There's a there's an amazing. I think was it. It was either Charlie Parker or um, actually I think it was Charlie Parker. My parents sent me this this card when I was a bit. I was having a bit of a down patch, and they sent me this card which was Charlie Parker, and it just said, um, "Music is your thoughts, your experiences, your wisdom. If you don't live it, it won't come out your horn." You That's know. Brilliant. So I've, I kind of I think a lot of what I do is. A lot of what comes out of my horn is is <laughs> the stuff that I've done. It's places, you know, and yeah. literally when it's places I've been and yeah. ideas I've had while I've been there, but also just mistakes I've made and stuff that I've screwed up. And uh, you know, I, I'm very, I don't forget my mistakes very easily. I tend to beat myself up about them quite a lot. But again, you know. But then all of your life experience, all the things you've done, it's a little bit like what you're talking about. If you don't like when when you're talking about making the sound of the ice. Yeah. And, and that being something that you don't see but it affects the experience of listening yeah. I think it's the same with creating stuff all of your experiences go into every new thing yeah. you make yeah. But, but, yeah. You know, not explicitly people don't notice it but it kind of just t- textures it and gives it a tone yeah. and it's, it's like you have certain singers where you can hear everything they've been through in their voice when yeah. they sing oh know? yeah yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, I mean, we, we live in this society that totally praises young people who are hugely successful. It's you funny, know, isn't it? We totally blow up about sort of 19, 20, 21 year olds who have a hit record. And the thing is, in my, and, and you know, and the trouble is, you get 
teenagers who sort of think that that is the norm, that that's expected of them. Yeah. That why haven't you done this yet? You're 18, you're 19, why haven't you done this yet? Um, and that fame is the sort of easily obtainable and highly desirable state to be in. But in my experience, I don't think anyone I know who has had any level of real success has been under 30. And I think it really does come from, you know, you really have to sort of... Do the time. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And, and you have to screw up, make mistakes, and produce an awful lot of... This is the only problem with recording it. And those of you body popping in the... Yeah, that must be very annoying for the body poppers as yeah. well, yeah. I came in the other night to see um, uh, Decasia with the full orchestra and the play overran. This is a recurring theme that I was recording and they wouldn't let me in. I was, um, I was so... I was... I have to admit, I... My... my uh, I, I was... I had a bit of a strop. I, not to, in front of anyone. I took myself aside and stropped quietly. And, yeah. <laughs> but I was... Have you seen Decasia? No. It's um, it's a film made entirely of uh, it's a found footage movie made using nitrate film stock, which decayed very very fast. So now there's very little of it left. So you watch this film, which is mostly just this kind of wall of static and interference and noise and peeling sort of uh, nitrate, yeah. and then it'll sort of clear and you'll see an image or a face or a scene. Oh wow, that's like, got very kind interesting. Of, it's got this kind of metallic, clanging, orchestral soundtrack, and it's, it's one of the most haunting films you'll ever see in your life. It's utterly brilliant. Um, there's like there's one bit which is a boxer sparring with his punch bag. Is, is it sparring when you do the thing with your punch bag where you? Could be. Yeah, I'm not, like I'm not that versed but in boxing. He's he's there, and you can see him, but the punch bag's just disappeared. It's just it's just gone. So he's just his fists are just moving around in, into this. Into the, it's almost like he's. Someone said it was almost abyss. like he was fighting against the yeah. abyss, punching it away. Wow. Well, there's a, a merry-go-round where again the the sort of cars on the merry-go-round are, di- are appearing out of a void and disappearing into another one. Wow. It's, um, I mean, I've seen the film three times, but I so wanted to see it with an orchestra, and I was. I have to admit, I was I was a bit. You had, you had, you'd already had tickets as well. Yeah. Oh, oh man, I was I'm so sorry to hear that. I was so pissed off. Yeah, yeah. It, it happens. It happens. I'd love to say I'm really zen about these things, but I'm not. I <laughs> stamp my little foot and I go bollocks and yeah. No, um, you don't. You don't strike me. I mean, it's not an insult, but you don't strike me as a very zen person. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I'm impossible. To, I find it impossible to be calm. I just can't. I'm just hopeless at it. I either I'm either dashing about sort of someone described me as a scurrier a scurrier yeah I'm either scurrying <laughs> about from one thing to another usually sort of very late and in a in a sort of crazed sort of state as you discovered tonight uh, and I carry on doing that until I get to I'll have like maybe one day every week or two where I'm just just can't I just sort of hobble around and um it's usually it's sort of a, it's usually a sort of like whenever my equivalent of Sunday is because I work shifts it's all totally random hours and so I think usually on a Sunday, there'll be like one or two Sundays in a month where I just sort of hobble around the house all day and I, I, all I can do is pick things up and look at them and put them down again. And uh, Yeah. And then the next day I'm back at it again, flying around. It's probably not tremendously healthy, actually. Well, um, it is what it is. Well, life I, is extremely short, you know? Yes. Extremely it short. Is. And it's flying past me so fast and it's terrifying and I... You know, I just and you're wanna... too, well, you seem to be quite tuned in. At least, at least, at least you're like 
you're listening out at certain times anyway in the right moods you're listening out for the sounds of the world you know always for new ideas always yeah and it sounds tremendous and i'm not saying my my new ideas are any better or any more worthy than anyone else's in the world but even when they're wrong even when it's a bad idea or it's not it doesn't work the fact that you're still it's like it's like questions even if you can't answer your question doesn't mean you should never ask questions yeah you know even if you even if you don't have a good idea even if you even if your ideas don't work it doesn't mean you shouldn't you know start thinking about the next one or it's I don't know no um, absolutely Ghosts of Bush yeah is this kind of soundscape I guess from yeah. what I've heard yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're kind of using the sounds of a building that was being cl- that it was closing in, that around closed. me yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, it's now closed and yeah. where you were mm-hmm. and you spent how many years were you there I was only there for three and a half years so okay. I was a, a relatively new but you built up an attachment to the building I loved it everyone loved it you, I don't think you couldn't as soon as you walked in it was just it was just a very very and it's it's difficult to talk about it without sort of resorting to cliche but it was just a lovely building and it had a real sense of it had a real presence it had a real real, there was a real sense when you were there you were contributing to something that you were making a difference in a small way maybe as a studio manager but um, you felt like it was a a force for good basically and it's again you know a lot of sort of daily mail readers would snort at that but uh, but I can't do anything if I don't see the point in it I can't do anything if I don't see the actual the use of it or the point of it I can't do it I just I just can't. No, I mean, I've had so many bad jobs that I've just left. I've been fired from because I just didn't see the point of them. Obviously, you could argue the point is to pay your bills, but I just, I have to. Like I said, this evening's performance will continue in five minutes. Can we please ask that you check your seats properly? Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, like I said, life is so incredibly short. You better make sure that what you're doing with it is something useful and something good. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, absolutely. You know, but you have. I mean, you is it how? Are you currently at Resonance as well as yeah. the BBC? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, not as much as I would like to be. I'm sort of there. I pop in sort of once or twice a month at the moment. And I'm currently working on a series for them, but it's sort of half finished. Okay. Actually, I'm doing OST this Saturday, if you fancy oh, cool. tuning in. That should be oh, quite fun. Oh. I've, yeah, I, um, I, I, I've got to start listening to the radio more, you know. Like, I'm, like, I'm just in, yeah. the, in, the, in my world of podcasts. So like I hear, I hear a lot of radio shows. I was listening to Resonance FM on, on a podcast version of Resonance FM yeah, uh, yeah. just this morning, actually. That's how I listen to it an interview with, uh, with Stuart Lee about money. And, uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a, Again, I don't always agree with him, but I'll always listen to what he says. Yeah, he has, and I think he has that's, interesting things to say. Yeah, and there's, there's, some, I mean, there's things I've, that he's done in the past that I thought were horrid. Basically, it's extremely blasphemous routine that he did but it was he was deliberately being very 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 blasphemous because it was sort of pushing the boundaries of yeah, what he sure. could get away with and it was like an endurance thing and to most it was horrid really horrid um, but I think he has an awful lot of really you know interesting ideas and I think sure. he's a very funny comedian did, well, the, bl- so. did the blasphemy upset you because you're, you've got faith or was it just that you didn't like it upsets being... me because I used to have and I'm not quite sure where it is anymore ah, it's, okay. uh, yeah it's uh, I think I don't know, maybe the reason I'm sort of like, I don't know, a lot of things that you believe when you're a kid, when you sort of get older, you still like to think they exist, but um, it suddenly occurs to you that most of what you've believed in is stuff you've been told by people. And if you then applied that to uh, anything else in your life, you would be, you know, I don't know. um, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I never had faith to start with. 
faith interests me, but it's not something I've ever really had, I guess, because I, I was. I sometimes envy by people. People who didn't have faith. Yeah. Because, because really, you know, if I was absolutely objective, I wouldn't. This is a really tough one for me, but um, I never quite know which is the right way to believe because, you know, I remember seeing this thing written on some. I went to America and had this horrible summer job, and I remember seeing written in someone's rockery this slogan if you're living like there's no God, you'd better be right. And there are times when I think, sometimes I hope there isn't, because if there is, you know, we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know. That um, is true. But it also, depends what the God is like. Depends what the God's see, attitude is. Well, you see, this is the thing. It's all, see, it's all very easy, I think, to sort of think that God is this kind of permissive sort of guy now. You know, I mean, like, in our modern society, a lot of things that were considered extremely, what, well, were illegal? like 50 years ago mm-hmm. are now considered entirely permissible and, and rightly so I'm not, I'm not for one minute saying that I mean you know I'm talking about like sex before marriage sure. having children out of wedlock yeah. I remember there was when in the village my grand lived in there was a child a woman an old woman who was born illegitimately and despite the fact that we now live in a society where that happens all the time it was something that yeah. she it was like a, a scarlet letter you know I like to think I'm open minded I like to think I'm liberal Whatever you want to do with your life is fine with me as long as you're not, A, trying to tell me that I should be following you or B, what you're doing is having a negative effect on my life. Agreed. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and I would would say that's common sense. I would say the majority of people I know are like that. But you're worried that God is not... Well, I just think... I think that um, if there is a God, a lot of people myself included it's this kind of you know you know it's all right he'll forgive you but it's like will he though there's no there's no actual proof that you will you know there's no there's no real proof that god doesn't have to be a good god if there is a god that created the universe and everything in it there's no there's no there's no uh, there's no certainty at all that that means he's a nice guy but if there is a god and and they created everything that we have Mm. you know maybe it's uh, it's Maybe he should be worried about us forgiving him because look at what he's created. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was it? Uh, do I believe in God or does God believe in me? That's another good. Yeah. It's one of the things I had recently. I remember thinking. Um, I, I seem to remember quotes a lot. Uh, was uh, if there is a God, why does he make it so hard to be for people to believe in him? Well, yeah. This is. And I can something I've is, heard many times. Yeah, many times in many different ways. Yeah. I don't think life should be a walk in the. I don't think necessarily life should be a walk in the park. I think it should be a challenge. I think. I mean, maybe that's just the way I... But I Ladies and gentlemen... That's, yeah, that's, yeah. And by the way, there's no God. Uh-huh. Well, that seems to be the way that you live your life. I mean, that seems to be... That you're, it isn't, you don't think that there is a value in living it easily. No, like, not at all. You're, you're leaving all. the jobs because you, you don't see a purpose in it. You, know, you, you seem like a man who has a kind of calling and, and the calling is sound, I guess. But everyone does. Everybody do. has a, a, a role to play. And, and I should say, everyone is completely free and in their right to totally disagree with what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought, if you don't have something that you do that makes you know, the world a slightly better place or makes a difference, if you, and however small, if you don't have something... What's the point of being alive? <laughs> but again and again, I know a lot of people will disagree with that. A lot of people say that you know you should just be, and that should be. But I can't be like that. 
This is why I don't say these things very often because these are I, these are my opinions. I'm There's not, nothing I'm wrong not with one minute forcing this opinions. on anyone else. Well, and you certainly um, are. I mean, people these, people will hear it and they'll they'll take it take from it what what they yeah. What I'm they not trying to tell anyone what to do because I, I object to people trying to tell me what to do. But I do yeah. think, and again, this is this is again, it's like a sort of moral compass, isn't it? Everyone has their own. But I do think, you know, there's there's got to be something you do that you give a shit about. Yeah. Something there's got to be something in life that you do that you. For my sister, it's it's horses, it's dogs, it's animals. She's you know, my auntie, it's painting. Yeah. And it's just something that that they love to do. But you're lucky if you've got that as well. I mean, completely. It, you know, it's 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 sometimes it's hard to find the thing that's right for you. As but maybe well. maybe looking for that is the is, is the, the point. thing. Yeah. Could maybe. be. Could be. Um, but. See, this is the thing, right? Okay, if we're talking strictly biblical, we're yeah. all sinners, basically. I am. Yeah, sure. Everybody is. Because, but the thing is, it's very difficult. Well, it's impossible not to be. There is no way you, you cannot be a sinner. It's just impossible. If you look at it in strictly in a biblical sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because we all, we all basically You're do born bad. With sin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, you have, you have bad thoughts. You have negative thoughts. You know, you... You know, you walk down the street and you see someone attractive and you think, ooh, hello. Sure. Now, if you view the Bible in a certain way, you've just committed adultery. Yeah, well, Jesus you know? said it, it says it in Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, uh, exactly. So it's like, well, whoa, hang, well, how can you possibly say, so, you know, the Bible... That's the bit then, of the Sermon on the Mount I don't really like. Well, yeah. I like the rest of it, but that bit. Have you seen Leviticus? Have you read Leviticus? I've read, I've read the Bible, yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. I am not a particularly, you know... Fundamental questions, fundamental philosophical questions. I can't answer them. I have no idea. When I try and think about these things, they just get my head in a spin. So what I think is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm pretty ignorant. And therefore, whether I believe there is a God or not is kind of irrelevant because, well, what do I know? You know, I can't work out. I can't do math sums that are too you know hard. That, but what you do seem to know, what you know is that there are sounds out there to find and that you want to kind of take those sounds and make them Yes, yeah, completely obsessively, yes, absolutely. But... But I, I don't have the intellect to be able to deal with these, with the bigger questions, the bigger fundamental questions. Sounds, yes, completely obsessed with them. But again, it's an experiment. I never know what I'm going to get before I start working on things. It could be complete rubbish. Sometimes it is. But when you, you know, you know when it works because you know for every eight things you try and do, one, seven of them won't work. But that one that does will make all the others worthwhile. Is that when you go junk shopping? Yeah. You know, you'll find just tons and tons of rubbish, and then one day of the week, you'll find one thing that made all the one other things worth one, one vinyl. But again, that's, yeah. that's a total experiment. Like when I make music, when I make sound, it's an experiment. I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know if it'll work, and I, you know, and it's often it's the law of averages. If you just keep hammering away at it, eventually you'll have something. You'll have something good. That's what I've done all my life. If you just keep hammering away at stuff, eventually something will click, and you'll go right. That's good. Yeah. But. Yeah, but then you get to the bigger questions, and I can't answer those, and, the, and it frankly it terrifies me. I mean, there's no reason for anybody to have to answer those bigger questions necessarily, isn't it? Well, I I wonder can they actually be the, the biggest questions? Can they actually be answered? No, but I think, <laughs> but so, I think we should still ask them. And well, I think I, I, the I trouble is it makes you very that. unhappy. I kind of agree you, with that. Um, I don't know if it has to make you unhappy, but I do kind of agree with that. That we can't help ourselves, but yeah. to ask these big questions. Yeah, and I and I, yeah, like I said, I think it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, God will be forgiving if, again, if God does exist. But uh, 
It doesn't have to. There's no just because you think it doesn't mean it'll you know. Sure. I do think one thing I will say is I, I think religion does far too much finger pointing. I think there's there's not nearly enough of the remove the speck from your own eye. Yeah, sure. I see so much. I see the two most fundamental Christians I know are basically they spend their whole they spend a lot of time judging people, other people, mm-hmm. and saying it loudly. Uh, I mean, I remember having a, friend, a, a gay friend of mine dismissed by one of them as evil. And yeah, you're that, just like, that really and you're me and you're trying to make me come round to your opinion by dismissing my friend, yeah. somebody that I care for very much, as evil. Yeah, yeah, you sure. don't even know them. Yeah. You know, I mean, now yeah, okay, purely in a biblical sense, you know, being gay is or practicing gay acts is a sin. Yeah. But there are a lot of things in the Bible that are sins, and we all do them. You know, yeah. it's just, and I just. I just think well you know eating bacon exactly it's almost on the same thing I think, yeah. I think that basically overeating or eating the wrong kinds of food is as big a sin as uh, or there's a, there's a number of things that everybody does that are yeah. forbidden in the bible exactly. that they don't go mad so about so why the hell are people pointing fingers at other people there should be a lot less finger pointing and people should just be in my opinion people should be a lot more um, should be a lot more well you know, I know that I'm not perfect, or yeah. I know that I'm a flawed individual, and what can I do to be less flawed, or what can I... I think even just being aware of it, even being aware of the fact that... Um, I remember reading when I was younger reading a James Baldwin book, uh, which I must say I found very hard work at the age I was at, but I remember one of the things I took away with was that he, as a teenager, became aware that there was evil in him as well. It wasn't just in other people, it wasn't just in bad people. You know, when you're a kid... I mean, this is another thing, actually. We show children cartoons. I mean, I remember, you know, you, we must have watched similar cartoons growing up. Yeah, you know, like, so. like Action Force or Mask or whatever. Yeah. And in it, the good guys were always good. And there, was, there were lovely, handsome, nice, shiny people who were always upright. And, you know, and the bad guys were just bad. They were bad. They were just bad. And they never, there was never any reason. Do you remember, remember Captain Planet? Yeah, I do. Captain Planet was basically this superhero who saved the world and looked after ecological concerns. The villains in it were basically these sort of evil people that wanted to pollute the world. They wanted to pollute the waters of the sea. They wanted to cut down the rainforest. They wanted to fill the air with smog. And at no point was it ever was there ever any reason for it. They just wanted to do it because exactly. they were evil. I mean, the more the more difficult truth to deal with is the fact that those nice kids that all go like earth, air, fire, water, heart, kids like that. They're the people who are polluting the world. Yeah, exactly. But you see, and, and when you're a kid, and again, that's that's the sort of ecological sort of Hector inside of it. But even in in sort of action cartoons, yeah. they're the evil guys. I got a friend who says, We're the good guys. You know, he says that you know about Thundercats that he always because was was on Mumra's side because he just it, it was just like they just seemed quite easy to sort of identify with, like because they're all like physically deformed and all yeah. of that sort of. Yeah. And you know, we'll, we'll, and the others are all like really like oh, oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And in but no one ever goes, why, why are you so evil? And, you know, yeah. we're taught that good people are good and bad people are bad and there's absolutely no... That's what I was taught. Uh, yeah, there's you know, no grey yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, this whole thing about when James Baldwin suddenly discovers that there's evil in him as well, I mean, that's quite a shocking discovery, I think, when you're a youngster, when you're young. I think that's suddenly discovering that you can be a bad person too and that, you know, everyone has it in them to be a bad person and does be a bad person. Yeah, you know. sure. I, I mean, um, I... I I don't think there's evil people, though. I, I, I think there's evil actions. Yes, uh, I think that's that's my always my definition. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I nearly became a bad person on the tube yesterday because I was running late and I was just really frustrated. 
So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've been in that position myself yeah. many times. And so. you think, gosh, if, you know, and you sort of mutter something under your breath, going, and then you suddenly notice someone's looking at you, and you go, oh no, they think I'm in it. Think yeah. I'm, you know, you're that person that you normally would tut at. You yeah. That person, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just, um, I mean, you know, they're, they're children's cartoons, they're mostly insufferable, mostly unwatchable, and when you're a kid, you have no sort of compass, as it were, so you just. But I, yeah, I. Where are we going? Where I, are we going I, I, I think that you're very right. I think, I mean, I feel that when we live in a, a world that where the grey areas aren't explored enough and everything's very black and white, and, yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I know, I know what you're saying. So yeah, I mean, just before we wrap it up, I just wanted to like so Residence FM. Yeah. For people who don't, because not everybody that listens to this will be a Londoner, so. What is Residence FM? Uh, Residence FM is, and they'll probably completely refute the description of it, but to me it's it's a sort of art, art radio station that mm. specialises in alternative programming. So you've got alternative music, documentaries, you know, a little bit of drama here and there. You've also got a lot of, you've got sort of alternative politics, you've got sort of ideas and sort of, sort of philosophical programmes. We have a programme for pensioners. There is a community remit to it as well. It's kind of a sort of community, yeah, community art station. Art radio, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a station that has a community remit, but it also does an awful lot of um, alternative programming and a lot of alternative music. To my mind, it's the best radio station in the world. It's sometimes a little bit ramshack around the edges, but you, I mean, I've heard stuff on that station that I would never in a million years have heard on any other. No, uh, I mean, I, you know, I I sort of spoke because I. This, this, my show was up for a radio production award this this year. I heard for whatever that means, and you know, didn't win it. And I ended up at, uh, talking to the guys from or, and girls from uh, from Resonance, and and you know, it, it it was it was interesting as an independent talking to a kind of a very independently minded station, mm. and in this kind of environment that was slightly kind of corporate and slightly yeah. kind of directed towards things that weren't independent I guess I don't want to sound like I've got sour grapes I'm, no, but I'm very uh, grateful to have been nominated corp- corporate radio I can't listen to even uh, even the sort of more sort of down to earth ones like uh, the, the local London sessions I just cannot listen to them it's mostly because of the adverts yeah I, I have a real problem the, with adverts, I, I yeah. absolutely despise radio adverts From the, I mean I, I did some stuff for an RSL station in Walthamstow for a month a few years ago and they were required to play these adverts uh, and I, they, they just made my teeth grind. That and the fact that they all sound just so compressed. They have this. I mean, like Radio One. If you if you look at Radio One's output through a, a PPM meter, you know normally you've got the meter kind of swinging about here and there as the signal gets louder and quieter. On Radio One, it's just it's just stuck in one position. Um, that's why I was really excited when the whole cage against the machine thing came out because I just imagined Radio One going silent for a whole minute. <laughs> I just wanted, to, you know, um, I just wondered because you know, the emergency tape would probably kick in, and you know, and it really would be a silent night. I was so excited about yeah. that campaign. I thought it was such a brilliant idea. In the end, um, they played ten seconds of it, and the DJ going, "Oh yeah, this is a composition that was first made in 1954. <laughs> That's like the dawn of time." And then he, he kept doing this thing where he would like tell a funny joke and then honk a horn. And you kind of think, yeah, that, that was last considered funny around 1954. <laughs> you know, but, any, any, but it's so much, it, it just sounds so glossy and compressed and the adverts sound, and, I, and, and the thing I love about Resonance is that it doesn't sound glossy and it doesn't sound compressed. And 
although there's a lot of programs where you think oh guys come on sort it out the vast majority of it you just you're just every day I'm grateful it exists put it that way sure I mean and I've, I've been there eight years and I'm hoping I'll be there for a lot longer uh, you know and and it is you know I give up my time for free like everyone there it's a it's a volunteer led station you know there's a few people there who are, receive a modest wage to keep the place running um, but the vast majority of people are, are doing it because they just love to do it and again well know, that's a beautiful it's a, thing. it's a really positive thing to work towards and I, it, it, mm. it gives you such because I mean I do this for free and, I, yeah. and, and you know I put all the way like so, so much time like I'm obsessive about this I guess yeah um, and I, I I guess there's potential in the future that you know it, it, part, no doubt there is some element of my motivation that is aware that that some money could come from this or some uh, some opportunities could come from doing this but I think you'd still do it I would still do it regard yeah. and, yeah. and I always will do it for free for as long as it exists for because I, I just find doing it for free to be so freeing for me and also you know? I call it Oasis Syndrome they finally got all the success and the acclaim they wanted and they completely ran out of steam sure yeah. you know, I think as long, while you're still hungry while you're still hungry to, to get the it's, this, is, this is one of these sort of things about success it's kind of some ways it's a bad thing because now yeah I fear about that yeah. yeah because if you are suddenly successful and you've got all these people going oh, oh you know look at Dave you know, he's doing this amazing thing what next Dave what are you going to do next Dave what are you going to do next what's it going to be Dave I bet it's going to be yeah. brilliant isn't it and suddenly there's that real pressure to, to sure you know but while you're still hungry while there isn't that pressure you're still going to yeah you know maybe... and, just, and just being free of the gatekeepers which is what you are when you're doing an independent yeah. podcast like, and I'm, I'm doing some stuff at the moment that it involves engaging with those gatekeepers and it's very frustrating mm. and it's great to have this oasis, a different kind of oasis this this place to come back to that is free that is mine and I can do what I like yeah and part of that comes from the fact that it's a labour of love yeah uh, and Resonance FM sounds yeah. like it's a labour of yeah. love yeah but it's, station, it's, you know, it's something that means yes yeah, it's, it's wonderful and again this is the thing this is a, I see you know people go there and they love it you yeah. know it 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 drives everyone a bit mad sometimes and it, and it pisses people off. But the thing is, if you give a shit about things, they do piss you off. Yeah. If you didn't care, they wouldn't. You know, yeah. it's... Um, yeah, getting pissed off is, a, is an example of, in some, sometimes, quite often, of having a stake in something. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the kind of pissed off you are. You know, lots of horrible jobs that you have no power in can make you pissed off. Yeah. But but making you, I guess, angry is different from depressed, isn't it? Like if you get yes. angry about something, you care about. Not it. always, but yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fair I just yeah, I like I said, it, there are times I listen to residents that go, "Oh, guys, come on, that's basic. What are you doing?" But but the fact that you know, I mean, I, but then I try and remind myself that my first few years there, I made every mistake in the book. I screwed things up. I I listen to some of the. I, well, I don't listen to it, but if on the times when I have heard some of the early stuff I did there, I just go, "Oh, good grief! What was I thinking?" And it, but again, you know, you realise that's how you get better. Yeah. If you if you are listening to something you made a few years ago, and instead of going, "Oh, why aren't I making stuff like that anymore?" Instead of if instead you're going, "Oh, good grief, that was awful. What was I thinking? Thank God I'm not doing that anymore." Yeah. That's a really good thing. I know yeah. so many people who were a similar age to me, who were sort of still reminiscing about this kind of golden age that they had at school or at uni or ten years ago yeah, I know or more. People that way, yeah. and, and they haven't listened to anything new since then, and they haven't, and they just keep talking about those days and keeping in touch with that little set of people. 
and just think, well, great, but but you move on. You 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 know. I, I think you're right. I think it's a it's a gift in a way to have the kind of mind that looks back at things that you've done in the past and shudders. Yeah. Rather than when you look back and go, that was the best thing I ever did, and why yeah. can't I? Why can why I can never be as good as that again? Yeah. That because kind of mind seems like a curse. The whole object of life is to go forwards. I sure. really believe that. No, the whole I agree of life is to go forward. And I mean, this album, it's the most successful thing I've done, I think. It's got amazing reviews and I've been so happy with it. And yeah, I really yeah, have. Really, I mean, really great article that I read today. That you, that Late Junction played it. 13 minutes of it. I've been getting airplay all over the place. I've been getting people saying really lovely things to me. People yeah. saying really kind words, like really, like, you know, and I'm worried I'm going to get a big old head. But the thing is... The problem is that instead of going, gosh, this is great, I'm really happy that something I've done after all these years has finally resonated with people and actually made a, you know, actually touched people. Yeah. But I'm not doing that. I'm going, oh, crap, what if the next thing isn't good enough? You know, what if the next thing I do isn't as good? What if it's not Maybe the same? that's good, though. Maybe that makes you hungry. That's, well, that, yeah. I mean, I that's know. what you're talking about in terms of being hungry. Like, that's what you have to feel. Like, once you start thinking that what you make is great then that's Oasis it's terrible them, yeah. I mean, I that's a, what they did the first two albums were great and then after that they were terrible totally just fell off yeah. yeah I had a lecturer at uni who said uh, as soon as you're happy with something you've done give up yeah, <laughs> I think it's a little extreme but I, I've always remembered that advice sure. the other great bit of advice I was given was uh, plough your own furrow find your furrow and plough it yeah. and that's the best piece of advice I've ever been given because I think Ghost of Bush is me finally put, not finding my furrow but finally taking the because I used to go well hang on a minute I love I love the Muppets, I love jungle, and I love noises. Yeah. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? But now I've kind of finally figured out how to put all that together, and I've found my furrow and worked out how the plough so works. Is that, is that, is that, that, that those kind of influences coming together? Is this? Is this? Is that's, this? That's that's Bush. It's finding out. It's finding. Well, it doesn't sound at all like the Muppets, but but it's that. <laughs> it's finding out about. Yeah, but the all, Muppets informs it, like the well, ice. It's uh, finding drink. all the different things that you love and working out how to put them together which I've finally done but now I'm going oh crap well, what if the next thing isn't as good what if the next thing isn't good enough what if and I know roughly what it's going to be but I don't know what it's going to sound like I have no idea but that's the exciting thing you don't ever know no, what it's going to no, sound like I mean it is like. exciting and it could well be awful but if it's awful I won't put it out well unless it's an interesting awful <laughs> I, I, it, it, that, that, that statement there is kind of a, I, after my own heart I, I, I'm like that sometimes I, I put out stuff that I think it's interesting and so I have to put it out like people have to have uh, access to it because it's interesting even if it makes me cringe yeah. and, and music go, oh, doesn't have to be great. good to be interesting you know sure, absolutely you can put on a piece of music and you'll there'll be a little part of your brain because this is terrible but there'll be another little part that makes you play it again yeah yeah and, yeah. and, the, and then you get to this point where you're actually quite into it yeah. because it's it's sort of awful but you, but you kind of like it yeah. and this is the thing we think that we either have things we like or things that we don't like, but sometimes we have things that we like because we don't like them. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. How, how weird is that? I know, it is weird. It, yeah, next biscuit syndrome. It's a theory that I've developed, one of my crackpot theories. You know when you were a kid and your granny gave you a biscuit out of the tin, say? Yeah. Did you ever have this thing where when you were eating the biscuit, you weren't really paying much attention to it because you were already wondering if you could have another one, if they would let you have another one? And if, you, and if that happened, which one would you go for? And you're sort of looking at the tin while you're eating your biscuit, and, oh, I think I'd have that one next. I want, you know. And suddenly you're like, hang on, I've finished my biscuit. I barely noticed I was eating it because I was too busy thinking about the next. And I'm worried that's going to happen with yeah, something like... Yeah, you should take a moment to enjoy the taste of the I biscuit. I can't, I can't. If you can, let me it's try it. I can't, I, I'm, 
I'm not sick of Ghost of Bush. I'm very happy that it's that it's worked out. But I don't. I don't well, obviously, I don't listen to it. But there are times. <laughs> obviously. But no, but I mean, I I'm really know. happy that it's had this effect. But it's not that I don't care about it anymore. It's just that I've done it. Yeah, it's man. Kind of like yeah. I made a solo album a few years back, and I put like my heart and soul into that. I like mixed it. I was so obsessed with the sound. I was so obsessed with every texture of that of that record and I'm really pleased I was really pleased at that moment in time with what I'd done yeah. I can't listen to that I spent I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of time making that and suddenly so I don't want to hear it again just because much. it's finished it's weird just because it's finished you suddenly lose all interest in it yeah no tr- totally as soon as it was mastered my, my friend mastered it for me and, yeah. and, and, and you know and made, the, made the packaging and everything I mean, I've still got them. I didn't sell it. I mean, it's not didn't sell very well. Um, That's no marker. You know, None no, no, no. I think it's a good. I think it's a good. Um, I think it's a good. I think I still think it's good. People can get it for free on, online. That's fine. But I mean, once it's packaged, once it's done, once it's there, yeah. yeah. But you know, I, you're I done can't, with it. Yeah, it's it's done. It's there. It lives, yeah. and then I don't want to hear it again. Yeah. yeah. God. Oh, I mean, although uh... although I I hope that I will put it. You know, I'll hear it in five years time or something that when enough time's gone by and and that why I hope is I'll cringe because like, as you say it's good to not look back at the stuff you've done and go I'll, I'll never get as good as that yeah. but I also hope that whilst I see it's naive and explored I'll also see some good th- stuff in it because that's also a nice thing to see yeah. the good stuff yeah no no but, but, but people say this this is the problem with it. anything creative It'll come back to bite you in the ass eventually. You know, somebody, somebody. I can't remember who said that, but you know, if you make something creative, you're putting it out into the world, and eventually, it's going to come back to you, and you're going to go, "Oh no, what was I thinking?" Yeah, I've had um, a lot of those experiences of, of thinking, "What was I thinking?" Um, and I've had a couple of experiences of going, "Actually, that's that's all right. I can see some flaws, but that's actually all right. I can stand by that." So I'm hoping that that that, that album will have that effect on me. So. I mean, the last thing I ask, I think we've probably covered a lot of this anyway, is do you have anything to plug? And we sort of covered uh, Ghost of Bush. I mean, how do, how do people find it? Uh, you can visit my website, which is robinthefog.com, and that's not frog, that's fog. Um, as we've already... As we've already, today, yeah. People, this is the trouble. This is, this is why it's such a bad nickname, because people assume there's a character on The Muppets called Robin the Frog. Ah. So everyone assumes, oh, Robin the Frog. Oh, and you like The Muppets, of course. And it's like, no, 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 no. F-O-G. Um, Robin the Frog. You can go to robinthefrog.com. Uh, I have a label which the album's available on. I mean, there's actually a link to it on the website, but you can go to thefogsignals.com if you don't want loads of hyperbole and just want the record. Uh, and you're in the second pressing of it now. Yep, second pressing is currently available. I mean, I don't know when this green will... vinyl. <laughs> it does look really beautiful. It's actually, so it's really gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah, I'm really, really vinyl. happy with it. I was really impressed by that. So was I. <laughs> I yeah. was like, "Wow!" I didn't expect it to be that good. Uh, it's. I'm so chuffed with it. And I mean, I but, don't know when um, this is going to go out, but I mean, are you going to keep pressing more and more, or how's it? Gonna I don't work? know. Um, we won't know. I'm deliberately not going to saturate the market with it um, <laughs> because I don't. You know, uh, I'm surprised it's sold. You know, I mean, I've I've now pressed 400. The first pressing went in four days. The second pressing uh, is selling reasonably well, I think. Uh, if it goes, if 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 the if it's boomcat.com are selling them at the moment, if they want more, then I'll press more. Otherwise, I mean, the one the nice thing is it's it's made enough money to generate a new album to be pressed yeah, on vinyl. Yeah, well, that's 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 the goal. Yeah. That's in a way that's 
and hopefully that will then generate enough for a third because I've got three albums I'd like to make and then I'll stop and take stock of things are they all related um, to each other the, uh, well one's about they're all going to use similar techniques as Ghost of Bush because I don't want to use computers I mean I use a computer for everything I do everything like when I'm at work I'm on a computer when I'm at home I'm on a computer so it'd be nice to be able to make sound where it isn't just me staring at a screen and kicking a mouse so getting my tape and having it kind of do weird things that I wasn't expecting so yeah they'll all use that kind of approach also I should say Ghost of Bush is entirely acoustic there's no there's a little bit of tape echo but all the reverb and the delay you're hearing is all natural there's no no artificial echo added or anything like that no artificial you, you delay you tracks though yeah like, against each other. I create really, loops yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, so it's acoustic in a way that a uh, live band sound would be acoustic, but they might have had d- different set, like different uh, takes of it. No, it's acoustic in the sense that the recordings. The only thing that's changed in the recordings is the speed of them, and obviously there. Ah, okay. You slow. The, I I, t- I, sl- I record at say 15 inches a second on tape, and then I slow it down to three inches per second, and then you suddenly get all these extra hidden sounds that you never heard before. Like and that canary. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Song that you were playing. Um, and I should say this was before I heard that record as well. It's a fairly recent discovery that Jim Fassett LP. But listening back to those recordings at slower speed, you start finding little phrases. And I had a loop of tape, so I would sort of isolate those phrases and loop them a bit and have them sort of spool off for a bit. And then I would find another one and I would bring them together and try and make them sit nicely. I think when I say acoustic, what I mean is that there's no electronic effects being added. There's no sort of studio wizardry. It is, the whole thing was made on two reel-to-reel machines. And the recordings were made using a handheld recorder similar to this one. Okay. You know, that's it. Handheld recorder, two reel-to-reel machines and... A computer was used to dub the recordings off onto. Yeah, yeah. Of but the course. actual processing of the sound, of generating those sounds, was just made using two real-to-real machines. That's it. And that's amazing, I think. The fact that you can do that with such primitive equipment, I think, is astonishing. Absolutely. Um, I'm not saying it's, you know... I'm not You're s- astonished by the process. I'm ast- yeah, I was astonished by what came out with it. I, I recorded myself whistling into my mobile phone at three in the morning in the stairwell. So the ceilings aren't that much lower than this. And I played that, but I recorded it onto a onto tape, played it back at half speed, and suddenly this kind of ethereal choir noise started coming out. You know, wow. there were plenty of other times when it didn't work at all. It sounded like a load of rubbish. But suddenly you're like, oh, I'm hearing that in a new light, and that's just by playing it slower. It's incredible. Yeah. No, it absolutely. really is. Absolutely. You know. So the next thing is going to be, I'm going to try and do something with similar recordings of foghorns, assuming I can get copyright, assuming I can get the copyright guy to give me permission. I want to do one with foghorns, and I also want to do one just using all the stuff around the drama department. They use old reel-to-reel tape as grass. Like, you know, for the sort of scenes where they're walking on grass. It's just old bits of reel-to-reel tape. So I thought it might be fun to sort of get them, stick them together and spool them up and see what's on them. There must be something on them. It's all old tape. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, neither of, them might, neither of them might work. They might be awful. They might, I might have nothing there at all I can work with. But there might be this one idea that... You know, and the leads to another. Yeah, that then, always yeah. happens. Like you'll, you'll work for hours and you'll have two hours of rubbish, and then suddenly one little thing will change, or you'll find one thing, and suddenly the whole thing falls into place. Sure. And suddenly, you're, you know, something that was a just complete mess a minute ago is suddenly sat there looking at you and going, "This has potential. This could work." You know, the thing is, this is what I'm planning, but it, but the very nature of the way it works means that I could be doing something entirely different in 12 months. It could, sure. it could turn into a completely different project. That's what's exciting about yeah. life, I think. But as long as it's... And I think, you know... It's nice to have plans. It's nice to break them. I yeah, think. yeah exactly. Those things are true. 
but also when you sit down and play a piece of music you know like that's amazing you know that is there's nothing I would never detract from that at all when a pianist sits down and plays sheet music and this beautiful piece of music comes out sure. that's great but you knew it was going to be great before she sat down because you know she's a great piano player you know the music's wonderful you know it's going to be great but you know I come in and I sort of spool up my tape recordings and I've got some stuff I'm, I've been mucking around with and even I don't know what it's going to be it might be the best thing I've ever done it might be absolutely terrible um, but even the terrible might be interesting in an interestingly terrible way I don't know um, and is there anything else that you'd like to plug before uh, we close I'm currently working on a new show for residents called Looking Good Feeling Great which is instructional educational um, and sort of aspirational LPs kind of sort of found in various junk shops sort of edited together don't know when it's going to come out I've spent about a year on it but I keep getting distracted by things one of the things I had was a I had a sales presentation CD from this horrible summer job where it was like this routine you had to learn and at the end of it they had sort of you know here's a couple of songs nothing to do with selling books but something we thought you might like and it was this absolutely appalling kind of college rock it was just sort of paint by numbers college rock it was so Everything about it was designed to be as inoffensive as possible. It was like, you know, the California dreams. You remember that? Yeah. Like a bunch of sunny teenagers who would every week would learn a valuable lesson like not smoking and then write a song about it. Right, right. Um, and it was just, the song's called uh, Crazy. And the guy just keeps singing how crazy he is over and over again. So I did this thing where, and I don't, if, if people now go and listen to the finished result, they probably won't find it funny at all. They'll probably find it stupid. But... I edited the song so I removed everything except him saying crazy over and over again and then kind of just and then like sort of had a middle eight and then went back into it again and I listening back to it I laughed so hard I thought I was going to pass out you know I, I, I actually rang my mum and just played it to her down the phone and, and wept laughing and the thing is she was laughing but I know she was laughing at me laughing rather than the thing yeah uh, he also wrote a song called Here Comes the Light which was also on this disc which was just him saying Here Comes the Love just, so I made this five minute long song which was just chorus, middle eight chorus, middle eight <laughs> chorus, chorus sort of extended middle eight chorus, chorus, chorus and it just goes on and, and again well I used to have a friend who I used to say about him that he was one of these people if he told a joke and someone else laughed at it he wouldn't find the joke funny anymore and I'm worried that I might become that kind of person who thinks that everything who thinks that these things are hysterically funny, but no one else finds it funny at all. But, but just, just, this, just this song with this guy just going up, just singing the same lines. Because it's, you know, basically all I'm doing is just in, in exaggerating what he was doing. Again, sort of really banal, blandly inoffensive stuff like that is sometimes the most fascinating stuff of all. Because you sort of go, well, at what point did someone go, I know, I'll write a song about how crazy I am. But it will be the least crazy, most nondescript, unthreatening song you could possibly imagine. Yeah. A song about how crazy I am, which is the blandest piece of music you've ever... It's not even bad, it's just totally nondescript. Yeah. It's like, you're not crazy. This isn't crazy. If you suddenly started, like, sort of screaming, or at least, you know... Yeah. No, again, I know, I know, I know the, the kind vibe. of thing you mean. I mean, it is... But it's just like, no, yeah. no, no. If you replace it with the word boring, I think... Yeah, that, yeah. But again, the, the sort of sheer banality of it, and again, with these records which I'm working on for this series, the sheer banality of them is fascinating. It really is. And you, you don't know when that's coming out, but it will be on resonance. Hopefully it will be ready by the end of the year. 
I've got a day off tomorrow, so I'm going to try and put well, some work good. into it. Well, that's good. I don't know when this, will, when this will come out, but I mean, if it goes on residence, it should be available once it's out. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll podcast it as well. well. Um, and OST, this Saturday, I'm doing a BBC Records special, which by the time this goes out, hopefully will be podcast as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing lots of... You know, again, BBC used to put out all kinds of. They used to put out learning German records. They used to put out whole LPs of just church bells. Yeah, no, I know that's whole some of the, LPs of church bells. That was some of the stuff that you were sh- you were sh- showing in the talk that I originally met you. Yeah, it was all of those BBC records of very very strange things, but they were all released. Anyone could buy they them. They exist and that's in the world. Thing, yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable to think. I mean, I've got a record at home which I absolutely love. It's called um, English for German Pharmacists. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful that there actually exists a vinyl record called English for German Pharmacists? Well, that is amazing. And a great place to end a conversation at. The last thing I ask people to do is to okay. say goodbye to the audience. Um, I'll say goodbye. I'll also say, uh, yeah, uh, please don't take anything potentially uh, controversial, I say, too seriously. Fair enough. Uh, no, I just want to say... Always um, a good, good thing to think about. I prattle on an awful lot. And uh, <laughs> so, sorry for prattling. Um, yeah. I like to think this is a place that people are allowed to prattle. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, if you can't prattle on a podcast that is devoted completely to conversations with, with, with people about themselves, then where can you prattle? Goodbye and thank you for listening to me prattle. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> So Robin does a thing called HowlRound, which is analogue radiophonic done live. It's a duo. You can see them live at the London Analogue Festival on Sunday the 8th of September. And they have their second album coming out, which is called Secret Songs of Sav Amala. And it's, it's coming out on the 16th of September. And you can get that from Fog Signals, the place that you can get the rest of his records. And going to be coming out as a strictly limited vinyl edition plus downloads of 300 copies. There's also a kind of prequel to the Ghosts of Bush that's come out called Earl Grey Whistle Test and you can get that from the Fog Signals too. And you can still catch the follow-up to the Ghosts of Bush which is called World Service, that's W-H-I-R-L-E-D Service. Uh, which is a 20-minute nocturnal perambulation around the empty corridors, studios, stairwells and basements of the recently completed home of the World Service New Broadcasting House. That's up on Listen Again on the iPlayer as part of BBC Three's Late Junction. And it should be there until midnight or so on Thursday the 5th. This conversation happened before Getting Better Acquainted went out on Resonance FM which happened earlier this year we went out February to July I think and talking to Robin about Resonance FM and talking to him after we finished recording a little bit about Resonance FM was one of the things that provoked me to reach out and I'm really pleased to say that Getting Better Acquainted has been part of Resonance FM we're in negotiations about a new series the details of that haven't been finalised yet but I'm certainly hoping to continue the relationship between Getting Better Acquainted and Resonance FM into the future.